chapter 4. Um, so, Mark chapter 4, is this parable of the sower, uh, or depending on your Bible, it might say uh, the parable of the soils. Uh, it's the first of four complete parables in this gospel. Um, the other gospels have many more parables, but Mark is much more concerned with works than with words. Uh, we can even see that in the parables he's given us. Jordan was telling us the other week that a parable is a, a story told by Christ demanding a response. So, yes, these are these are words and not works, but they're words that should warrant works in response to them. As we read through these words, we should be considering how they can change our lives. So, uh, Mark chapter 4 and verse 1. Again he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat, and sat in it on the sea, and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land, and he was teaching them many things in parables, and in his teaching he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seed fell into good soil, and produced grain, growing up and increasing, and yielding thirtyfold, and sixtyfold, and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear... Let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see, but not perceive, and may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, uh, on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word. But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. Amen. So last week Jordan was telling us about uh, different groups of people that encountered Christ, about a crowd and about uh, these Pharisees and about followers. And now we come on to this passage and uh, we see different soils that are encountered by a seed. A seed uh, is placed into these soils and we see uh, how they respond to it depending on the type of soil they are. Um, 
so the, the parable starts following on from chapter 3 with, with Christ getting into this boat and he, he sits in this boat and you can just picture it he's on the, on the shoreline very close to the shore at the Sea of Galilee and the crowds would be sat on the shore and uh, the shore would slope up like a bank and it would be like this natural amphitheatre and he would say listen, behold uh, depending on your translation it might say listen, look and Christ could point and there would be there would be a sower there, someone scattering seed. Now when we think of a farmer today, we think of someone sat in a giant tractor. Perhaps some of you have watched Clarkson's Farms, that's what comes to my mind when I think of farming. But this is not the case here, this is someone who's uh, walking along and scattering the seed wherever they can. They, w- they will take it out of their bag and they will throw it. And where the seed lands is, is where it's planted and it will grow up. When we plant seed now, we just plant in in good soil. We make the soil good, but that's not the case here. Uh, This sower is, depending on how you look at it, the sower might be a picture of Christ, in which case we are to follow Christ, so we should act like this. Or the sower is a picture of Christians, in which case, again, this is how we should act. And you'll notice, as as I'm saying, the the sower plants in in all the ground when they scatter the seed. The sower doesn't say, oh, here's a patch of of good soil, I'll I'll plant here. And the sower doesn't say, oh, I'll just just tip out my bag of seed and say, that's me done planting, I I can go home. The sower's continually scattering. He he gives all he has to scatter the seeds, and he scatters it everywhere he can, and trusts that God will let the seed grow if it is God's will. So what is this seed that the the sower plants, this seed that we in copying the sower to plant? Well, Christ tells us in verse 14, doesn't he? He says, the sower sows the word. So, great, the seed is the word. And these soils are how the word is embedded in people and how how people accept or react or receive this word. Um, You'll notice as well that uh, the sower is scattering the same seed in all four soils. He isn't putting uh, one type of seed in one soil and another type of seed in another soil. It is the same seed. The seed is, is consistent. It's unchanging. Uh, there's a, a continuation of of the, the seed. There's not uh, Some of the seed is dead and some of the seed is good and some of the seed is already opened and sprouted in the bag. No, it's all the same seed. But the soil's different. So what is, what is this word that's going into the soil? What is this seed that is unchanging, this consistent seed? Well, what is this word? It's the word of God. This book that we're reading from just now is the word of God. This whole book, this whole Bible, it's God's word that was given through man and written down on paper and uh, brought together through, throughout the ages and uh, it's compiled into this one book. All centred around this one man, Jesus Christ, that tells us this very parable. Christ would tell us this parable and he would, he would go on in his ministry for three years and then he would eventually die on a cross being sacrificed for our sins. That's the, the culmination of this whole book. It's, it's all pointing to Christ and then anything that happens after Christ is looking back on it or looking at the result of Christ's death. Christ's death is what all our lives should be revolved around because it's... Uh, what affects what happens after the end of our life. So this word is it's the, the word of God. That's what this word is. So then Christ goes on to explain after he, he mentions the sower that sows. He starts talking about where the sower sows. and He begins in verse 4. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path. 
and birds came and devoured it. Now when I think of a path today, we think of uh, tarmac perhaps along the street. But tarmac was not the case in the Roman times. This is more like the kind of path you would get uh, out in a forest walk, perhaps a gravel path or, or a deer path, somewhere that's been trodden down and the, the dirt is hard. This is a picture of, of people whose hearts are hard to the word. The, the seed would be thrown down on the path and it would, just, it would bounce off. The, there's no, no penetration of the seed at all. The seed does not affect these people. Uh, they, they feel the seed hit them and they're unmoved and untroubled by it. The word does not mean anything to these people. Uh, we, have, we have examples of people with hard hearts throughout our Bible, don't we? Uh, you don't need to turn with me, but in Exodus chapter 8, uh, which we'll be looking at tonight, we can see Pharaoh's a man with a hardened heart, isn't he? Pharaoh's heart was very hard and he refused to accept what God was telling him that he needed to let the Israelites go. And that brought consequences for Pharaoh, didn't it? As we'll look at tonight in more detail. But notice in, in verse eight, in, uh, chapter 8, sorry, in verse 15, it says, But when Pharaoh saw that there was a respite, he hardened his heart and would not listen to them as the Lord had said. See, this, this hardness of heart that Pharaoh had and that uh, people themselves can have was not something God had done to him alone. Yes, perhaps God had an involvement in Pharaoh's hardness, but the, the root of Pharaoh's hardness was himself. It was a personal choice. This is not a, a thing that we can say, oh, well, this is just how I am. I have a hardened heart. God can't blame me for this because it's, it's the way my heart is. No, it's, it's a choice. You choose to have this hardened heart. You choose to let that seed hit you and not take it in. And you will be punished for that. Uh, we can see, again, regarding this uh, seed that falls in the path. In verse 15 it's, uh, of Mark chapter 4, it says, uh, The ones who, along the path where the word is sown, when they hear... Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. So now we have an explanation of why the seed doesn't grow. Why when the seed bounces off the path it just it disappears. Satan comes in and takes the seed away before the seed has any chance to act. Now it's an example of how the devil can act in people's lives. And how the devil can take away uh, God's word and its impact on people. Because Satan is directly opposed to God. Everything that God stands for and everything that God uh, intrinsically values and every characteristic of God is directly opposite to every characteristic of Satan. Uh, and that's, that's why Satan takes away the word that is sown in these people. Uh, then following that, uh, we can see in chapter 4 and verse 5, uh, Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. This is a ground where you've got a very thin layer of dirt, but a layer of dirt that is there, a soil. But beneath that, there's a very dense rock, a rock that cannot be penetrated by the seed. It's a picture of people with, with shallow hearts, people that the, the seed is planted and... Uh, they they get a taste for it with that surface level and, and the seed springs up uh, it's a, a superficial response in a sense it's uh, Christ would tell us that they 
they receive the word with gladness or with joyfulness. There's a, an enthusiasm for the word as this uh, seed springs up and uh, are rejoicing at the reception of the word. But we can see that there's no depth to their understanding of the word. There's no, no root there for this seed. It's, a, it's an emotional, yes, enthusiastic, but a superficial response. Uh, it's an example of how the flesh acts in our life, we can see. The flesh in our life it encourages emotional responses to things, but that's not what our response to the, the word of God should be. Yes, uh, we should be moved by it, but there is much more to it. There is much deeper root to be found. But this seed does grow up, doesn't it? Uh, we see the seed does spring up and it brings forth a plant for a short period of time. Um, and in verse 17, Christ would say, And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. If you think of a, a tree in a storm, a tree faces... It faces the winds and it faces the rain. And it gets pushed about like, like this tribulation or persecution here. Uh, notice it says that the persecution arises on account of the word. These are not just any troubles in life. These troubles in life are direct results of the interest in the word. Again, these are uh, ways Satan opposes God. Satan does not want word to be implanted in people. No matter what it takes, these tribulations and these, these persecutions are to try and uproot the word from people. There's no foundation yet. And before there's a foundation, Satan needs to remove this word from people. Before it's too late for him to, to oppose God in this way. And so tribulation and persecution are faced by these people. These uh, people that have taken that interest but have not found root yet and we can see like, like a tree the lack of root um, is the problem here you would see a tree and you would see it stand tall through the storm and you would say that tree has stood through that wind and through that rain because that tree has roots and you would perhaps go on a, a walk through a forest and you would see a tree lying over and you would say and you would see the tree's uh, base sticking up into the air and you would say that tree's root wasn't strong enough to survive the storm. And that is very much what's happened here. This, this person, has they've had that enthusiasm for the word, but there was no root based on it. As well as that a consequence of having root is there's no sustenance, isn't there? Drew has a plant that sits in our in our house. Oh, I'm getting the eye roll from Drew now. And this this plant, it, it's dead, to be honest. Um, and this plant, uh, when Drew goes away, he'll give to people. I think he's given it to Andy, and I think he's given it to Peter and Eunice. And he'll say, can you care for this plant while I'm away? And we'll get the plant back, and the plant looks great. It looks so nice. Um, because it's had that sustenance. But it needs continued sustenance. And when Drew doesn't sustain this plant, it dies. <laughs> and that's, that's what happens to these people. Yes, there's no roots. And as a consequence of that, there's no continual sustenance. There's that sustenance from that surface layer of dirt. But it doesn't get any more sustenance. It's not allowed to grow. It's not allowed to flourish. So how, as Christians, is this applied to our lives? Well, we... We need that sustenance as well. Everyone needs that sustenance for growth. 
and we are sustained through consistent time with God. We we need to build roots into uh, into the Word. We need to grow and we need to delve deeper into the Word and grow out these roots that we might uh, be sustained, and that when these winds come, our roots might be strong enough that we don't uh, fall over with it. But we can hit rocks in our spiritual growth as well, can't we? Um, you know, yes, this this rocky ground uh, is a picture here of someone who is not saved yet, but someone who has taken an interest in the word and uh, fallen away too soon. But there is an application here for believers that we need to we need to watch for hitting these rocks in our spiritual growth, things that prevent us from getting roots further, and we need to watch for them, and we need to pray about them, and we need to look for God's help in these things. If you think about a tree that's placed in the city you know often in these cities they'll have rows and there'll be trees along the roads and you'll see the beside these trees you'll notice that the curb is at a wonky angle or the tarmac's broken and that's because the root has penetrated through this dense ground uh, you need that that consistency and that that motivation to break through and to continue to build these roots uh, then Jesus goes on to talk about uh, a seed planted in the thorns, doesn't he? Other seed fell among thorns, verse 7, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. This is a picture of someone whose heart is strangled by uh, the things of the world. The seed has grown up and it's it's the soil is it's fine for roots to penetrate and uh, the roots go down and the uh, the seed it begins to grow and as it grows these thorns grow up around it and it, it chokes the seed and it, it prevents the seed from growing any further Christ then expands on this in his explanation doesn't he verse 18 and others are the ones sown among thorns they are those who hear the word but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it proves unfruitful. So that's just three examples Christ gives of things in our lives that can be these thorns that would grow up and, and choke the word. Uh, the passage is, in my opinion, an example of an unbeliever who, as they're taking an interest, uh, is, is drawn away by these things. However, really, uh, the uh, core meaning of it is the, these things are preventing the spiritual growth of that person and therefore that can be applied to us are these things uh, preventing our spiritual growth what excuses do we have in our lives for allowing ourselves uh, in our spiritual growth to be choked by these thorns because these thorns they, they choke the seed and it lacks sustenance just like the previous seed and just like the previous seed, it, it will die without that sustenance. This sustenance is, is taken away by, by these thorns, by these misplaced priorities that Christ lists for us. Christ, he mentions the cares of the world. But what cares in the world do we have that are detracting our attention away from Christ? Perhaps uh, in, in school or in work or in university, uh, a focus on these other things that is, is taking away from our focus on Christ. Perhaps we have an assignment due and uh, we decide, well, I'll, I'll just skip church this one week. This one week and I can finish that assignment and then I'll go back next week. Or, or perhaps we're saying, oh, I'll, just, I'll not evangelize to this person because 
I would like to remain in their good books, whether that's for popularity or for the sake of a, a, a work relationship. You know, what what areas are, are the cares of the world taking away from our, our spiritual growth? And then Christ also mentions the deceitfulness of riches, doesn't he? Uh, he says the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches. It's this 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 lie of riches. Uh, Perhaps your Bible would say that uh, a deceitfulness of uh, it's it's a covetousness, you know. Rich people don't necessarily face this. This isn't uh, warning people that they can't have money. It's it's a warning for uh, people who desire other things. People who desire to have more money than they have. Who are constantly looking and saying, "If I had that one more thing, I would then be content." We were singing earlier about uh, about being content, and it's it's not about looking for contentment in this one other thing. It's about finding contentment in what God has given you. You don't need to be rich to cover other things. Yes, you can be rich and say, uh, "Oh, if I had this one last thing, I would then have everything I need." But you can also be poor and say, "If I have this one thing, I'll then have whatever I need." You know, it's not necessary to be rich to face covetousness and it's not uh, that covetousness is faced by all rich people but it's a lie isn't it when we say if I have this one more thing I will be content and get that one more thing we then find something else that we need as the last thing before we're content there's no truth in it the only thing that can make us content is Christ We, we live in a world a world without God, a world, a world where man has rejected God, a world designed for man and God to have that relationship. The purpose of man is to worship God. And without that purpose, then we lack contentment. And Satan provides all these other things in life to try and fill that hole that we might have without God. But ultimately, nothing can fill that hole except God and Christ. And so... We need to make sure that these things aren't taking away our attention from Christ, but we continually look for Him, uh, look for contentment in Him. And then Christ goes on to mention, finally, uh, the desires for other things. Uh, if you have a uh, King James version, this will be translated lusts. And I would suggest to you that. The desires for other things are the most dangerous of these three categories. That is just a personal opinion. But when we suffer areas in our lives that take our priorities away from God and can pinpoint them, we can say, I'm, my priorities are taken away from God because of the cares of the world. Uh, my, my university work is taking away my focus from God. And we can turn to God and we can say, God help me for my, my cares of the world are taken away from my focus on you. Or if there's a deceitfulness of riches, we can say, I'm coveting this thing and it's taking my focus away from God. And we can say, God help me for I have this deceitfulness of riches within me. But these desires for other things are much harder to pinpoint, aren't they? We can look in our lives and we can say, I know there's something going wrong in my relationship with God. My focus is taken away from God and I don't know what on. I, I can't pinpoint where I'm going wrong. I know it's not the cares of the world and I know it's not this deceitfulness of riches, but there's something wrong there and it's this other thing. 
it's a, a ominous, miscellaneous category, isn't it? Uh, one that we need to watch out for and continually seek prayer for. Because this word lusts uh, is translated in James chapter 1 verse 15. It's the same word in uh, the original text. James chapter 1 verse 15 says, Then desires or lusts, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. See, these these temptations and these uh, desires, these thorns, they, they choke the seed. Not just um, partially, they don't slow spiritual growth. They don't even just stop the growth of the seed any further. They kill the seed. If you think, um, how long can a, a man last without oxygen? You know, if, you, if a person is being choked or strangled, yes, they're not yet dead, but they don't have very long to live in that state. If your thorns in your life uh, are, are prevalent and you can see these things, they will lead to sin, and through that they will lead to death as they choke you. This is a, an urgent matter. It's not a, a slow death. Choking is it's a quick thing. These, these thorns need addressed immediately in your life. Um, however, in the passage, we can see that, yes, this, this is an application, but the passage is there primarily for uh, an example of an unbeliever. Uh, Second Peter uh, chapter 2 addresses this. Peter is talking to uh, false teachers in this passage. Um, people who aren't Christians. People who have uh, touched on the word. They've begun to understand it. But they've also had the other foot in the world. They've been in between. They've, they've heard the gospel and they've made that move towards it. And then they've been choked and moved back to the things of the world. Uh, Peter provides a warning for these false teachers in verse 20. He says, For if after they have escaped the defilements of the world, through the knowledge of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome, the last state has become worse for them than the first. For it would have been better for them never to have known the way of righteousness than after knowing it to turn back from the holy commandment delivered to them. These unbelievers, they, they'd heard the word and they'd began to take it in and they'd turn back from it. And what Peter's saying to these people is that it would be better for you if you'd never heard the word in the first place. For so great is the, the, the punishment for someone that does not turn to God that for someone who's heard the word for someone who's been provided the opportunity to, to turn to God and has rejected that is worse than someone who's never heard the word in the first place and then Christ goes on to this good soil finally uh, verse 8 and other seed fell into good soil and produced grain Growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. Uh, he then, in his explanation of this, says, But those that were sown in the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit. Thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. 
So there's, uh, in this last verse, in verse 20, we see uh, three uh, aspects of this good soil. They, they hear the words and they accept it and they bear fruit. Now the word is, is heard um, in the, the soil that uh, is, is rocky ground. Uh, we, can, we can even see that the, the word is heard in, in the first soil in the path when they hear Satan immediately comes. And the rocky ground, the ones who when they hear immediately receive it with joy. Uh, they have no root. And then... The others that are sown among thorns are, are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world, and, and so on. All the soils hear the word. But it's this next step that differentiates the good soil from these other soils. For those who are the good soil hear the word and accept it. They, they hear the word, and, and that seed is penetrated within them. And that seed, it finds root in it. It grows up and it flourishes. And there, there's an embracing of the seed in the soil. It's accepted. And then, because it's accepted, it bears fruit. And that's, that's the evidence that the soil is good, isn't it? We see uh, the, this seed, it grows up and it bears fruit. And you can say, I can tell that is grown in good soil because there's fruit on that on that tree or on that bush or on that, that plant that has grown from that seed. Whereas if I look at this other bush and it has no fruit, I can say there's no, no sustenance there. There's nothing to produce the fruit. But we also notice after it says to bear fruit, right at the end of verse 20, it says 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. See, there's different degrees of fruitfulness here. It's not just that we all bear fruit, and we all bear fruit the same, and everyone bears fruit, and you bear fruit good, and you don't bear fruit bad. Um, there, there's various degrees of fruitfulness. As well, before I go on to this, I should point out that you can be a Christian not yet bearing fruit. You can't be a Christian permanently not bearing fruit, but if you think as an apple tree grows up, it doesn't come out of the ground with an apple on it. It comes out the ground and it grows and it strengthens and then it bears fruit. But there are, there are degrees of fruitfulness here. But again, all will at some point bear fruit. Um, during my study of this passage, um, I came to read that a good harvest is regarded as tenfold. Now, yes, I watched Clarkson's Farms, but I'm not a farmer, so I'm just taking the, the book's word for this, that uh, a man who is, who is scattering the seed across the ground, as we looked at at the start, if he gets tenfold back, he would say, that's a good harvest. But here we have the, even the smallest value mentioned, 30-fold is three times that, and then 60-fold, and then 100-fold. I'll just turn quickly to Genesis 26. You don't need to turn with me. Um, Genesis 26 and verse 12 says, And Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. The Lord blessed him. So we can see in this, in this passage, this is, to my understanding, the only reference to someone bearing such a great amount of fruit for their seeds. And the only explanation given for it is that the Lord blessed him. 
Yes, okay, there are these varying degrees of, of fruitfulness, some much greater than the other, but all degrees given here, 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold, all degrees given here are levels of fruitfulness given through the Lord. All of them are more than man can achieve alone. No man alone can even hope to achieve the smallest of these three levels of fruitfulness. So what kind of fruit is this that uh, is so important for us to bear that we cannot bear alone, that we need to turn to God and say, help me bear this fruit? Well, we're told that in Galatians 5, aren't we? These fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace and patience, kindness, goodness and faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. These are all examples of fruits born by someone who has the Spirit within them. Someone who has heard this word of God as a seed, had it planted in them, who has accepted it and had the roots go down and the seed grow up and has borne fruit. These are the fruits they bear. But to grow more fruit of these three, how do, you, how do I go from 30-fold to 60-fold? And how do I go from 60-fold to 100-fold? I had two trees in my garden back home there was a plum tree and an apple tree and every year we would have bags upon bags of apples and we'd give a bag of apples to my gran and a bag of apples to my other gran and a bag of apples we would use and we'd end up with apples rotting because we had so many apples and this plum tree we'd maybe get five plums a year and you would say well how can this be they're both planted in the same ground they're both trees and I would tell you well the apple tree's bigger it's got bigger roots and that's why the apple tree bears more fruit. If we want to go from 30-fold to 60-fold and then to 100-fold, we need deeper roots so we can sustain more fruit. We need to grow spiritually in the word in order to produce the fruits of the word. Like David says in Psalm 63, my soul thirsts for you. We need to desire God. We need to say to God, I want to have these roots go down that I might bear more fruit and we need to continually seek him like that children's him read your bible and pray every day and you'll grow 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 that's what this is you need to you need to read and you need to pray and you need to spend time with god and you'll grow um that is pretty much my time up so i will stop there um just that is that is what these things are so if you're we need to examine ourselves in this and these soils can change soil can be toiled, rocks can be taken out thorns can be removed uh, we need to make ourselves a good soil and if we are a good soil we need to dig deeper roots and we need to build in that relationship with Christ that we might bear more fruit uh, let's pray uh, Lord as we come before you again this morning we thank you for this opportunity that we have had uh, to spend time in your word and to uh, read through these things. Uh, we, we thank you for your son who has come and who has given us this word, Lord. Your son who came and sacrificed himself for us. And we thank you that we have this privilege of gathering together and reading through these things that your son had said and benefiting from them. Uh, we pray that as we all leave here today that you would uh, bless us and that we would not take these things to just be stories but that we would understand there is an application to these parables and we pray that you would guide us in applying these things to our own lives. We ask this again in the name of your Son, our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.